Welcome to Talking Through the Shit. I'm Pete, I'm your host, and today I have with me Julian. You gotta say something, this is audio. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, greetings and salutations, all. And Ryan. The big hook. Gee hook? Gee hook? Yep. Banjo. Okay. Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> Banjo Kagoofy. Yeah. I, oh. Nice. I'll be playing Baby Elephant Walk Hell throughout yeah. this. Every time I come up, I'd like an intro of Baby Elephant Walk. Is that is that what the song was called? We Googled this before before the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a... By the way, I was right because I was wondering if that is from Baby Elephant Walk, but what I remember from Baby Elephant Walk is just the part in, in Dumbo, but that womp, 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 womp is an excerpt from Baby Elephant March. It is March, the perfect walk, fat guy walking song. Like, it is. Essential. And the elephants holding tails and trunks and, and moving did kind of help influence, like, you know what? Damn, that do look like fat people moving. Yeah. That should be our, our fat- audio image of that forever. A fat hey, family. Man, uh, fat is not politically correct. They are weight challenged. No, weight challenged would be skinny. Yeah, right? Yeah. They are weight abundant. They are weight privileged. Weight privileged. (laughs) It's called weight privileged. Weight Weight privileged, man. (laughs) You're not going to get blown over in a hurricane, all right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. This makes me sound just embarrassingly frail, but for the first time since I was about 12, I did get knocked over by the wind (laughs) last week. (laughs) So... Uh. You know, I don't know if I should be a father. I obviously can't protect children. <laughs> I went to the today and I got covered by waves. Is that anything? Thank you, Archer. My son just yelled, yes, you can. You need to get skinnier so that your body is more aerodynamic. Right? Yeah, no, I have this. Much of a sail. Yeah, I have a flight suit, but I don't think it was. It was it's more of a kite suit. It was made of paper. It's very cheap. Well, I mean, China. dreads, bro. The dreads. They got to, I mean, Knuckles, that's how he flew. He had, he <laughs> you're, had you're right. Wow. You're right. Never thought of it that way. It it's was more, the hair. It's more. What can I do? I thought it was the claws somehow. Like, no, the, some the claws. Magic power in his fists. No, the claws are for his, like, you know, uh, covetous digging. Yeah, he had the, oh, oh my God. I never understood that. Yeah. I just thought he was like a kind of knockoff X23. Now I get it. X twenty three. That's digging into the walls. That's Mega Man, right? No, but that does apply as well. But no, I was actually we were looking up all the different Weapon X projects. Oh, uh, X twenty three being yeah, Logan. Oh, that was it, that was his girl, right? Yeah, Logan's Logan's daughter. Weird. So is this just going to be about us being fucking nerds? Probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we are Jesus. Yeah, we are really. Dork. We've lost ourselves already. <laughs> All right, so what we were going for today, uh, I think we, you guys thought of a name last time. <laughs> White shit for niggas. Yeah, it's the one. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to have a, a little uh, exchange of economic ideas that were learned through different cultures. That's what we This were- vape actually holds freebase so <laughs> that I can stick along with the theme. <laughs> Freebase, oh, man. Uh, I have a, a coworker that said that uh, one time he did like he's like I did two lines that were the size of his pinky, and he has these big old Guido pinkies, and 
Like I did like two lines that big and I smoked Freebase and I sounded like Minnie Mouse for three days. <laughs> okay. He said he I never don't... Did that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't really understand why that's what happened. I don't want anything of what he had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I would rather do the Nas and and sound like Darth Vader in this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, computer duster. All right. So how long did you guys think that Darth Vader's name was Darth Vader? I mean, what age were you when you realized it's not Darth Vader? Pretty early on. Yeah, I'd have to say like seven. Uh, my mom got me into Star Wars, and she was always saying it very correctly. Mm. Very hard emphasis on the th. th. Okay. Sounds very unlike a mom to get some nerdy shit correct. Well, my mom is a is a nerd queen, man. She used to play video games with me before. That was like a cool thing for parents to do. Oh no shit. If if she was raising me right now, she'd be like streaming us playing Sonic. Oh, oh that's awesome. Oh, uh, that's rad. Okay. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm the only one, is what you're saying. All right. Well, I mean, that's a good place to start. What kind of economic lessons have you learned from your parents? Well, uh, I'll start. My parents, my mom and my dad are, are economic opposites of each other. Okay. And so I had to grow up with my mom always needing economic advice from my dad. Hmm. Uh, my dad is a big time saver. He's big about making investments in the home. He was always improving the home. Okay. Uh, my mom is a big time spender. She liked to go on expensive vacations and like buy a bunch of stuff, consumables. So uh, from watching them, Nothing of a pretty value kind of thing. What I wanted from my for my own self, I didn't want to just buy a bunch of stuff that was only going to serve me temporarily. I got into a habit early on of investing in myself and in my future. And how did you do that? First time I got a job, the very first thing I bought was a musical instrument. Uh, the first thing I ever bought with my own money was a flute. Huh. Wow. Yes. And I still have that flute. In fact, it's a couple of inches away from me. Nice. Nice. So uh, what do you, I mean, what, tell, tell the people what you do. Got to have a plan for how your money is going to keep contributing to your life. It doesn't necessarily need to keep turning into money, if you ask me, but it needs to keep serving you. Okay. So how is getting a flute first serve you? I'm a musician. Yeah. So buying a musical instrument is investing in me playing music and it serves my psychology. I do have a music business. So if I ever needed the flute professionally, there it is for me. Okay. Uh, when I got my second job, I started to invest in a music studio that has turned into more money. Um, it's a big part of my income now. I'm using the supplies I bought in 2012 to participate in this podcast right now yeah you're speaking through a very nice microphone you know an interface all that kind of stuff you know yes 
So it's important that your money continues to serve you, whether it's making you money or just contributing to your everyday life, keeping you happy. Uh, granted, buying consumables can do that, but you have to keep buying them have in you order ever to do that. Shoes, they are so nice. Uh, what now? Shoes, flip-flops, anything, nothing. They are so, more, so much more comfortable than any other shoe. Uh, no, I probably need to get some new sandals, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But before I do that, I'm going to get some more steel-toed boots, something to work in. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... As a kid? Yeah. I mean, I did, I did find creative ways to make money and had more money than the kids should have, but I never spent it on anything that made any sense. I think I spent money like a kid. Uh, I don't know if my parents had a fiscal philosophy. You know what, I'm gonna go ahead, uh, go out on a limb and say they did not have a fiscal philosophy. Uh, my dad was a spendthrift, just probably through circumstance. Also, he's um, spectrum-y, is that? He's, he's spectrum-y. Autistic? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's an autist, if you will. An autist. Um, and my mom is, uh, you know what? She's uh, just much like me. <laughs> she, she probably stumbled upon more money than she should have had yeah. uh, and spent it accordingly, right? Like when you don't, when you make money surprisingly, you spend it like you have to get rid of it before the feds come knocking. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty much was my philosophy about money until... I don't know, I had children that turned four and five. When I was like nine, my parents taught me that if you go outside and you like, I lived on a dairy, so you go outside and you feed calves, which is filling up the bottles full of artificial milk, going out and I, you know. You feed calves artificial milk? Yeah. But don't the cows, that's like the number one thing. They don't lay eggs. What, why, why are you feeding them artificial milk? You can get a bag of artificial milk at last like a few days. And it's, you know, big old, you know, 55 pound bag of it. It lasts a few days. Uh, and the milk that you get from the cows you sell on a dairy farm. You don't, you don't feed any uh, back to them. That's, oh, yes. You don't want to cycle it back in. No. Right. That's okay. That's how, that's your, your, Robin Peter to pay Paul. I don't know if that's the right saying, but that's, you know. You know what? I've never understood that saying, and I use it constantly. Right? I mean, I say it all the time. But I, uh, a lesson I learned, I mean, a lesson I'm going to bestow upon, you know, people I know is that uh, teach your kids that, that there is a, a merit to going to work every day and doing like, you know, I, I fed in the morning, fed at night, and uh, each time I got six dollars, and like by the time I I graduated from from uh, was it primary school, I had like six hundred six hundred something dollars in my bank account. You know, and I, I mean, yeah, they just they, they they set me up for a little bit, you know, for <laughs> you know just to have a nice little summer one time. I remember I bought I bought an LRG uh, jacket. That looked like a Mexican rug, a, a Aqua Teen Hunger Force shirt, <laughs> and, <laughs> and a pair awesome. of yeah, you know, like, 
I remember this jacket. Yeah, dude, my Mexican hoodie, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember that. I, you know what? I, um, my parents opened me a Washington Mutual account back when that existed um, from my sales of both burnt CDs of, you know, like I would, it wasn't torrenting at the time. I was getting them from Kazaa because, no. you know, big ups, Kazaa, big K, bow. Um, I was, I literally had an advertisement posted on the, on the the board like in the hall at my middle school that i made cds i do original mixes uh you know the current hits and a few like b-sides that i found right um and of course like current albums anyway so both the advance and then the official copies those were different prices i do all that um and one summer i did have enough to go to camp woodward which i really wanted to do and it was eight hundred dollars and i spent it on stuff so just i could I would say so I could skate better that summer, but just more expensive oh, yeah. shit. I mean, I wanted. You went to the skating summer camp, bro? No, no. I saved up enough money to do it. And then instead, remember I told you the way I actually spend money <laughs> philosophically? Now the goal was Woodward. That yeah. didn't happen because Woodward isn't a magazine. You know what's real? These skates right here, right now. Yeah. So I bought. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I blew all that money on nothing, but I, what it did set me up for was like having a relationship with a bank. So I, I, I was approved for a credit card very easily because like, oh, you've been here since, you know, uh, <laughs> 1997. Like, <a> good, <laughs> and you're how old? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Did Tupac open your bank account? Yes, he did. Just barely posthumously? <laughs> barely posthumously. <laughs> like so many of his tracks. <laughs> yeah exactly you think he's alive or dead uh, i think it's what, do i man. think tupac is alive i'm gonna go ahead and field this one then julian if you don't want to give an answer uh i think he's most certainly dead but <laughs> why are we giving credence to i'm gonna go ahead and pull out some of my judeo-christian uh roots were you there? <laughs> yeah thank right. you Corey. Corey just yelled he's alive see I don't take a position because I can't prove or disprove whether or not he's alive or dead. There you go. Um, yeah. So economics, <laughs> economics, right? Yeah. It seems like, uh, so look what I, I, I did learn something here, something I'm going to try to implement with my own children. Yeah. I need to put them to work in yeah. some capacity. But I don't live on a dairy. I live in an apartment in downtown. Okay. So what what could I be doing to get them actually working? Um, Good question. Give them, give them daily jobs, I guess. You know, chores, that kind of shit. Chores yeah. is a thing. Yeah. But, but it's a finite get, space. You don't get paid to do things around the house. See, I uh, had tasks, El Salvadorians? I had tasks to do around the house, but it didn't contribute to my financial literacy. It contributed to my domestic literacy. All right. That is, I mean, Fair enough. also important because you will eventually either have your own house or your own place or something like that. Yes. Uh, granted, you're not like a, a conundrum that, you know, lives with their parents until they're 50. And but, they stopped teaching home economics in like the 70s. And it is still an important thing. And there is no situation in which anyone is giving you money to take care of your own house. Yeah. Yeah. You mm -hmm. have that shit. But um uh make them learn something new that you also don't know yeah, and then pay them to teach it to you. And be like, hey, nah, you only get paid if I really learn this. I feel like it's actually something I just came up with, but something 
it's kind of I'm legit about to do. It's almost on the kid to figure out something that they can do that makes them money. Like my little sisters raised like hamsters and sold them to Mexicans, you know? Like that's that's the thing that you can do. What were they what? Wait, what? Okay. Were they Brazilians or sorry, were they in the Andes? No. Who actually likes hamster guinea yeah, pigs is what I'm thinking. But. No, no, no. The um I mean you can there's a market for them and it's usually an open air market, a flea market of some kind where they have animals. The brown market. The brown market. <laughs> brown market. Sorry. The only place you can purchase a noble capybara. <laughs> Is that a taker? Yeah. I've seen brown some, market, baby. I've seen some wild shit. I've seen monkeys jacking off at this place one time. Little tiny that, spider monkeys whacking it, bro. Crazy shit. That's, that's real? That's real. Okay, when we're not doing a podcast, I do have to tell you the story of a dream I just remembered I had last night where uh, me and this monkey fought, and it's because I talked about fighting monkeys so much yesterday. Anyway, go on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, my little sisters kind of – I don't know if they took it upon themselves or they saw my dad raising birds because my dad does – like he – you guys have been to my house or my, my parents' house, and he has a giant aviary where he breeds birds, and then he's actually expanded it to the back. And he has like more expensive birds in there, and he's selling them for like you know seventy five hundred. What what he got in there? What what's what's the expensive bird like? Uh, uh, it's like a, it's like a regular bird, but different colors. Uh oh, like finches, okay. but like purple and like pink, you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> I honestly I don't get the appeal of birds, but you know who does? Hispanic people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, you, I mean, there's there's a huge market for that. Uh, and my little sisters kind of, I think, capitalize on it. They they kind of sorted it out themselves. So yeah, I mean, they were like rodents procreate like rodents. We can make money off of this. There's like five to seven each time. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Damn. All right, that's good on them. Make money. So there's yeah. Sounds that's smelly. Oh, dude, it stinks. It stinks so bad. That's why you put you pick a room that's not like used for company or you know sleeping and that's where you put them a gay raj something like that you know <laughs> but yeah i it's like i said it's kind of uh a niche you have to find for yourself as a child and for i feel me, like it's easy. you know we had a we had a dairy and i was like there's work to be done you go out and you cut the strings off of hay bales and you know you you, you know there's there's work and then there's x y and z that you could do you know there's see that's what i was getting to is i feel like if you want to imitate the free market find something that people need is a good way to go about it. that's why i even suggested have your kids teach you something and if you don't learn it then they don't get paid but like i like that just yeah we're about to segue into the macroeconomics here <laughs> the free market isn't about finding something that people need it's about finding something that people are willing to pay for willing to pay for i in your house, in your microeconomy, am a reflection of the macroeconomy as, hey, this is something you can provide that I'm not going to provide for myself. Not that I can't. It's not something that I need. It's something that, fuck it, I'd rather you do. So if you want to make some money providing that thing for me, you can do it. But it needs to be satisfactory. Like, I feel like having that grade in there, like, is a big part of it. Because I'll be damned if you're going to half-ass it. Yeah, and it's a good thing to kind of see if your kid can teach people at a young age, you know? that's And, I mean, teaching people is a big part of management. 
If you can't teach, you can't be in charge. The question I have is how useful is it to ingrain a habit into your children to provide things that aren't necessary, but rather are simply able to be monetized? Here we have, you know, the pandemic going on now. And we see our economy struggling because so many people were providing things that were not necessary. Mm -hmm. Mm. That are that are non-essential. Well, things we called non-essential and then turns out the essential things were things we would have called non-essential. But it depends. Do you believe that people will fight tooth and nail to keep that system intact like I believe they will? Or do you think things will devolve into something that makes more practical sense? And then people would need to provide something that people actually need. I think that's a fucking long shot. I'm going to be okay, honest. No I wish. I yeah, because that, we have both. That, oh. We just don't have both here. I think like. that it's necessary in order for America to continue being a thing. We need to adapt and, and have more of our government-funded economy going towards things that are absolutely necessary. Because when we stop, when things, when an emergency happened and things need to come to a sudden halt, uh, we need to have our government ready to provide the things that are necessary, or at least be able to fund them, and rather keep us than in the game. immediately going to bail out corporations that were not necessary. We didn't mm-hmm. need the cruise ships. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're thinking of Bill Burr, right, with the cruise ship. <laughs> No, no, he's thinking of the cruise ship bailout. No, no, no. Like, that is a real thing. Well, cruise ships are are goofy anyway. Like, you just, you're. And the Saudis are buying them up. So. Yeah, that's a a sheer sign that we don't need them. (laughs) Saudis are buying them up. Right. Uh, I can't remember which hip hop artist endowed us with this wisdom, but when you're getting A rap money. You are definitely not buying the things you need anymore. No, dude. Old and freaking rolls. Absolutely right. You crash in the desert and just leave. (laughs) Right. Oh my god. That's my favorite thing about Dubai. I'm gonna say sounds (laughs) like a great life. I'm not gonna lie. It does. Luxury car graveyard at the airport is the flyest thing I've ever heard of. I'm like, I haven't heard of this. Wait, luxury car graveyard? Yeah, they just have they have thousands of abandoned like you know hundred thousand plus dollar cars because people just drive from the airport and then be like fuck it and leave them there and they go travel instead of like paying the taxes on them or paying to put them somewhere because they have that kind of money where they're like whatever only a hundred thousand dollars i mean fuck it i'll be yeah so they just have this glut of pre-owned performance motor vehicles that sit at the airport and is there a an industry that has arisen from this where they're selling from reselling them luxury oh, cars? i'm sure yeah yeah i'm i'm sure yeah, they just sell it forever. to persians uh, yeah cuz that that sounds very <laughs> wasteful i mean well, it, it begs a question like, the height of capitalism is the height of wastefulness yeah yeah it begs truly, the what truly. why do we need luxury vehicles like that i mean can't we just make all vehicles to a like a japanese standard like <laughs> like where the suspension mm-hmm. pulled up to a, a whole bunch of different terrains, and that's why they made them last so long. Yeah, but freedom. Yeah, yeah. And Fre- if you say we shouldn't have those things, that does mean you hate freedom. Yeah, it yes. is. By the way, it also means that you're a fascist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're probably gay. There's all kinds of things you can be. Right. 
uh, you're, you're you anti-God. Sure <laughs> yeah, are you sure you're not a Chinese fella? What does that mean? Well, you said my car should be economical, which sounds uh, sounds like propaganda. I don't know. I think we're we've moved a little bit too far away from a utilitarian society, and we're more we just have. Yeah, it it seems wasteful, more or less, you know. And, and only this is where this is where you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have to poke at the conservatives a little bit. Go ahead. Give me enough time. I'll I'll poke at the liberals plenty. Oh, but. Uh, you know, you want to have a utilitarian society, but the people out there protesting to open things back up, they are not being utilitarian at all. They want a fucking haircut. <laughs> yeah. I saw a meme that I, I felt really like sent the point home. It's like you guys wanted these assault weapons and you wanted to walk around in public with your guns to prevent mass shootings. You wanted to save people. But now you're being asked to bring a mask with you everywhere you go. <laughs> To help to save people. people. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And suddenly your freedoms are at risk. So I don't think that your goal was to help people. Your goal was to feel like a badass. I ain't going to get taken out by no Chinese virus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 it's because, and this is a big problem in conservative uh, realms, especially like the conservative Christian realms is like a willingness to just believe conser uh, conspiracy theories. A, like a like a wild one and I, it comes i think from being told that the world is against you and that oh, I was gonna say god that. innately but you have to remember that there are people that also want to live peaceful lives out there and that uh we have this you know a very good grasp of virology and and scientific like testing and stuff like that do yeah. i think that it's those people aren't on tv because they're at the fucking house yeah so do I, I mean do I think that it's always 100% right? I mean, the doctor doctors always overestimate everything because they're they're pussies, you know? They, well, because that's their version of being conservative. Yeah, about right. And it's, it's better to overestimate your response to a problem than to underestimate it. Yeah, but at, at what cost? Now we're moving into the realm of like people are going to be starving because there's no there's no money. They're out and on the no. There's money. That what do you I mean? A dude's about to become a trillionaire. There's plenty of money. <laughs> what, what are you talking? The money hasn't gone anywhere. It hasn't burned up. We gave up. it all to the corporations in the <laughs> yeah. first three weeks of the pandemic. Well, also there was plenty yeah. of money to feed people, but instead we <laughs> yeah. were bailing out people who were not hungry at all. It's not in the hands of people that can like go buy food, you know, like the people that yeah. live. Yeah, it's in the hands of billionaires now. We dispersed it. Well, what's gonna happen? Well, I mean. I Ryan lives in Colorado right now, and me and Julian are in uh, that's where the trap houses. Liberal Fornia. Yeah, Liberal Fornia, dude. California. Terrible. <laughs> the People's Gay Public of Drugafornia, I believe, is wow. what Jack Donaghy calls it. Yeah, that's that's a great. That's I mean, it basically has been for some time. The homeless peoples. Dude. <laughs> gay public of drug of horn, yeah. so I, I go i work in la a lot and i see under the bridges it's just like home it's like there are no bridges where there aren't homeless people underneath them nowadays it's wild do you think i mean it's gonna get worse too because of this yeah and now people get to see what la really looks like like yeah. it's not full of uh uh business professionals yeah right. like kind of blocking the view of homeless people who are just this many feet below them because they're sitting on the ground like yeah. now that's all you can see i mean we were building a um uh, I think it was Jumpman. The Jumpman is a like uh, Michael Jordan's like 
it's like a, a center or academy academy it's something it's, it's a like, jump academy i don't think i think i'm wrong no, I'm jump, like three three or four it's like three stories with the the roof is like for concerts and shit it's like a it's a lot of money gone into this like i think even oh it's the concerts and then there's like a a basketball court with glass like a glass floor so you can watch you can see their nuts swinging through the basketball <laughs> shorts when no i'm joking uh no but you can like i i, I think that's what it originally was supposed to happen but we were down there in downtown the, like you know the busiest place in la uh like sixth and broadway like down on down that way bro south park Every single day, there was like a meth head or a crackhead screaming shit in the street. And just like, it, it, it's so like, there's so many freaking people. There's nowhere to park. And we're like, you know, we're building out there. Uh, it's a crazy, like, how you can ignore that. And like, you know, there's hipsters walking by to get coffee or, you know, vegan tapas or whatever. I don't know what the hell they eat. But yeah. They have to ignore it because they've played a large part in exacerbating the problem. Yeah, with gentrification, I imagine, People right? People moving in from outside and sending up the housing prices. They've got remote forms of income. They come in with jobs. Well, do you think there's a, a balance to be struck with making somewhere better, but kind of keeping the prices reasonable? Or at a, yes. slow, a slow climb and kind of like incorporating the people in the neighborhood to to i don't know you know work at your freaking yoga studio <laughs> i feel like Absolutely. a combination of rent here, control and tax benefits to companies here in long beach that? here in long beach we have a problem where our mayor is absolutely in bed with the developers and when we make the call for more housing more housing gets built but it's luxury condos and apartments yeah they're not building places that people can actually afford to buy so they say that they're solving the housing problem by creating more supply, but they're not. They're making places for more people from the outside to come move in yeah, and Where send up the, pri the pricing there. on all the other more affordable places even higher. The solution would be having a local bank. There has to be a local bank in every city. And this local bank incentivizes building cheaper housing rather than luxury housing the local bank incentivizes keeping your rents low because you can borrow from this bank under the premise that you're contributing to the community by offering lower cost housing so they give you deals on loans and stuff for your other business prospects and you can open up more places you can buy more spots to do this with so like a decentralization type of thing? Yes. More or less. Well, okay. And, but it's also and what like you... more of a centralization. It's, it's saying that the government has a bigger play in housing rather than letting it be this completely privately owned industry. Hmm. So I was in, uh, in the opposite direction. So. <laughs> so how do you think that becomes affected when we move into, and I hate using this phrase because I hear it so often now, uh, new normal where businesses have all but given up on having like you know having commercial uh workspace right on, on actually purchasing those because it, it won't make sense anymore surely plenty of them have realized at this point oh most people can work from home the people who can't we can get smaller office space they'll have to convert those into housing that'll be luxury housing um 
anyway, my, my point was, how do you think that plays into the new economy where people will be working from home remotely so you can live where you want and work where you want, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the same place. Like then I, I see a future where like these, your cultural communities, because they have nice surroundings and you have something like a coast or, you know, something with a, a natural feature that you actually want to be near, um, ha have the same glut, but you also have more rural places or, you know, places that weren't as desirable before because they didn't have such a concentration of industry where now you can also work in those same industries. I, I don't know. Well, that's interesting. That. I, I don't know what the, uh, what the end game and that's going to be, but I do see it easing uh, the population pressures in the inner city where you don't necessarily need to live here to have the jobs anymore you can have the jobs while living a more rural life or a more suburban life. I think that it's probably going to do just not going to hire as many people. <laughs> the jobs, certain jobs. Yeah. yeah you, I think that's way more likely. With something Less like, people will be hired. Yeah, with something mm -hmm. like, like this quarantine, this whole lockdown shit is like, yeah, you're not as important as you thought you were. And, and yeah. really weren't as fulfilled as you thought you were either more than likely. The, the one thing you're probably stressed about right now, if you have one of these jobs where you're not, you got laid off because you're pushing pencils around you know um is you figured out yeah i hated that anyway and i you know it depending on if you have a family or not i love them more so what do i really want to do what do i really and what is there going to be afterwards you know oh yeah no i'm straight yes. up annoyed how much it opened my eyes to spend yeah. time with your family like oh this shit like no a, that's really valuable it's like this a real is a thing. larger thing this is like the philosophy uh, yeah. of yeah. economy but don't worry, there are I no. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a great deal to be gained from a society that encourages people to do what they want rather than what they need to do to get by. I mean, Luxembourg is doing okay. <laughs> when people do what they want, they are more likely to do something that directly contributes to society. I people think that want to be useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm nodding. Yeah, <laughs> I think Sorry, I realize it's also to be said about like getting back to the roots of what it means to be uh, like not a nomad and an established type of like, you know, you know, you, you, you live in one place and you like you should grow some of your food and hunt or right cattle and or, you know, like a, a steer to slaughter. You know, there's something to be said about that and, and how people probably are now opening their eyes to that more now because they're stuck inside and like what were we doing? Like, I don't, <laughs> right? I'm not, what are we doing every day? I'm not Yo, I, I was, uh, I'm not involved I'm a fan in my of... food or in my, in, in, like building my house and shit. Like I, I didn't do any of that. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of, uh, KPFK 90.7 FM here in Los Angeles. I was it's too. A, it is a far left, uh, community funded radio station. You know, they have a TV channel too, right? Uh, democracy democracy now. now has a tv station yeah yes okay so and uh, they had a guest on one of those shows one time and the guy's whole devotion in like in his career was to studying this concept of the useless job and he found that like huh. more than 50 percent of people had jobs that actually weren't even necessary and the yeah. pandemic uh, is absolutely like a shining example of what this guy was talking about because you didn't need to have all these meetings. You didn't need to have all these people in the offices. And there was this 
you know, this rise in job dissatisfaction because people were even beginning to realize before the pandemic that their contribution in their workplace was not a contribution to society and they were being paid for busy work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's basically like, I guess as a CEO, you kind of have to justify a growth in your industry. And like, how do you do that? You kind of hire people that don't really, you don't really need. And then that kind of, you know, it, it, uh, allows you to line your pockets a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. I, mean, how do you I figured lining your pockets more. What was that? How do you call yourself a job creator otherwise? It's a thing. Right. Yeah, you want to be able to call yourself a job creator. Yeah. You don't want to be this dude who's just accumulating funds constantly. Because if that were the goal, you don't want to hire as many people. You want to hire as few people as possible and get as efficient of a result out yeah, of your work. You want to scale on a skeleton crew. Yeah, yes. of course. Like, you, you never want to overhire because that's money out of your pocket. That's small business 101, you know? Do you think that the illusion of the, uh, of the altruistic billionaire is going to shatter as we move more towards automation. I don't and think there's be, ever been an altruistic billionaire. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I run into these guys online all the time defending the altruist billionaire where it's like, uh -huh. these guys are creating the jobs and they're, they're creating the society and everything that you use is being made by some mm -hmm. rich person. It was, it was Carnegie's greatest trick. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, after a certain point, they're not going to have the argument anymore that they're making jobs. It's going to be clear that they're reducing jobs and that they're making products that you can't even afford because yeah. it's not working anymore. It's I, I just don't see the, the point of having a billion dollars ever as a, as one guy. As, or even like, you know, as a couple, like it just doesn't make any yeah. examples. They say, man, if you made a thousand dollars a day, every day since the day that Jesus was born, you would still not even be a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it is. And you could be living the most lush life possible on a thousand a day, man. I mean, you save for a bit, you're buying whatever house you want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it is a huge drain on society. I mean, like, think about that. Those societally. Yeah, those are the guys. So that that's why guys like this behind me, we're all about the taxation. Oh, you have, We're all you about have holding. You. Yeah, the, you have behind you Malcolm X and uh, and Fidel, Fidel Castro. Castro. Yeah, and yeah, what? I mean, since the seventies, they've gone down from like a seventy percent tax rate for uh, for you know multimillionaires down to what is it? Is it like ten percent now? It's like the it's the lowest tax rate at this point, but it's lower yep. than mine, which is which is just wild. I mean, which that is, is exactly, some successful lobbying. I it's give exactly hats off. Had to demonize guys like this and mm -hmm. murder guys like that mm -hmm. okay. so yeah they have to demonize castro and uh murder malcolm x yes even though we, castro currently you know presided over a country that boasts incredible literacy incredible health care coverage and the they're most doctors send, per capita in the world most doctors per capita they got so many that they're able to send them out to help other people yeah it's crazy and our argument is always well who would want to be a doctor if a doctor is making the same as a teacher like well people, people who want to help people, to help people. <laughs> like, those people would the people who should be doctors the ones who want to make money should go do business I right think, no even in like a, a society where 
uh, healthcare is taken is like you know is subsidized by the government completely, I think that doctors should make more because it's a really fucking hard job, and you, you should, should be paid more for really fucking hard jobs. Here's something you're not going to hear too many leftists say. What? I believe police officers should be making more. Hell yes. I yeah, yeah no, they make. We might have fewer problems with aggression in our police forces if these guys lived better lives. Yeah. If we weren't hiring angry dummies. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, legit. Yeah. It, I and mean, I also think that there should be, in order to justify paying them more, it should require higher education to be a law enforcement officer. Mm -hmm. Why does it take eight or plus years to become a lawyer who understands the law, but it doesn't take anything more than a high school diploma to be the person to enforce enforcing it. them? Yeah. Like, you can, like, you can run for Congress as just a high school graduate. There's probably, uh, uh, I don't know, I'd say 0.5% of them who didn't finish high school who actually made it, right? It should be the same for every other branch of government, I would imagine. Yes. But yeah, I now, mean, you can only put wow. an educational like uh, minimum if everyone has the same access to education, because then I feel like then you run into, into that problem. Right. Um, but we haven't dealt with the first one. So I feel like if we could even get to that problem, that'd be... Fucking excellent. <laughs> well, look, man, you're you're over here talking to this closest thing to being a socialist without joining the parties over here, man. I believe that the government is not doing enough to support the society it brags that it's upholding. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, we're our government is owned by the corporations. The lobbyists have all the power and they get to tell our representatives how to represent us. Leading to consistent underreach and then them actually spending the money they have on marketing to us how they're doing a great job. So and then to bring it all the way back around, man, I mean, yeah, we can, we can talk ad infinitum about things we can do to improve our economic situations. But as a whole, man, there's really not much planning you can do yourself as an individual. Nodding. To really help grow forever into your own prosperity. The society is set up for only so many people to be able to really, truly prosper. Yeah, to have to make like $100,000 a year, you know, or over $100,000 a year. Right. I mean, I... I hate to like, you know, bounce this off of the past. I know times have changed, but uh, my grandfather was a janitor with 14 kids and he had a house in New Orleans. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm a delivery driver and uh, I'm kind of mad that I can't afford a house. I'm sorry. Dude, I'm an electrician. Oh, yeah. I was raised by people who didn't do very much and still had a life for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They worked. A, a butcher could could like, have a mansion. <laughs> right? Yeah. My great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother was one of the first, I think it's just great, actually, uh, one of the first black millionaires. Uh, she's among that group because she owned a well, because she had a well on her land. That's yep. it. Wow. That's the whole goddamn story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, I don't remember what she did, but I'm a direct descendant of the first uh, black female uh, millionaire, Biddy Mason. 
And I, oh, shit. Uh, and I we're don't... doing super well, right? <laughs> See how that generational trickle down wealth works for right. black folks? Look, we're man. crushing it. It's incredible. Yeah. I live in a pink trap house. Ha. Well, I mean. Yeah, man. Um, to keep it on the subject that we're on, uh, black people have a harder time applying for loans. Mm-hmm. Another thing, another thing that I heard from a discussion that was happening on KPFK, they they had a, I know it is anecdotal, but they were talking about the data that supported this anecdote. I just don't remember the data, but I do remember the anecdote. They had a black woman who lived in New York. She's a lawyer. She had just finished law school. She got the bomb job being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And she went using her job as collateral to go apply for places to live. And they were rejecting her. Then they put her uh, her lover's name on the application and had her applying for the places instead. And her lover was white or Asian or something, didn't have a job or or was like working at a grocery store or something. Yeah. And they suddenly they weren't having a problem at all. <laughs> Jesus. They had I mean, places yeah. to live that were accepting them. That's terrible. Fucking terrible, dude. Why, no, I mean, it's it's systemic. It's like the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. You know, like yes. How well, long can your country be made up of majority of those people and you keep them bound and your country not do worse for it? Is Here's really my logic the question. on it, man. My dad was born in 1943. Okay. He turned 77 yesterday, as a matter of fact. Happy birthday, dad. Happy birthday. My dad was a full-blown adult, already finished with the military and already started working in a full-time job situation before the Civil Rights Act went into effect or yeah. before it was even passed. Okay. So like segregation was still a thing? Yes. And the, the Civil Rights Act didn't start going into effect until he was like in his 30s. Okay. So my dad grew up with, you know, racist people spitting in his face, intimidating him while he walked down the street. These were people his age. These were people younger than him. These were people older than him. And when the Civil Rights Act got passed, do you think that all those people just suddenly disappeared? They held their loogies? They committed harakiri? No, man. (laughs) They continued to run for office. They continued to become police officers. They continued to start corporations and hire people and say remember when the world made sense they continued to rape interns they learned how to continue being racist without saying you're a nigger and i don't want you over here anymore but they Mm -hmm. still got to be the gatekeepers of society and you know what dude i mean still they still say that kind of shit (laughs) like they do just not out in the open anymore guys aren't around the gurs fly, bro. Like, yo, my older brother, uh, who works in the entertainment industry, said that he was having experiences like that on movie sets, where they would like almost be testing him for what he was willing to put up with, because he would be right there next to them, and they'd be talking shit about some nigger or some kike or some shit. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck, man? I'm right here. Yeah, and it's like, do something about it, dog. You like being on set, right? You like working in the big time, so. This is how it's going down. Bro, I'm in construction. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not there's not a whole lot of black guys on on the job, but when there is, it's like a there's a different kind of hush, you know? Like a, and also, dude, uh the overcompensating white guy. What's up, my brother? You know, that kind right. of white man. <laughs> that's that's infuriating to me. Who are we matter at? Yeah, who are you matter at? Outright not liking you or just 
licking your ass. Well, that, that's the great Dave Chappelle argument. Yeah. Uh, I can make the argument at this point. If you feel like you can be in it, you can be a, uh, ooh, for use of one of their terms, a savage and still talk that way. <laughs> and that you don't have to deal with the world around you. You're that entitled. I am actually madder at you. I also hate that other guy. Yeah. But, but you're a specific kind of, the other kind guy of dickhead. is annoying. The other guy, <laughs> yeah. One of them is annoying because it's like you're making me think about how black I am. The other dude wants me <laughs> to feel bad because I'm black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know what I'm saying. He wants to treat me worse. Yeah. Because I'm black. The other guy wants to treat me nicer because I'm black. <laughs> I have personally benefited from this reverse racism concept. I feel like I wouldn't have done as well at the university. If oh, my teachers sure, yeah. weren't like honestly giving me a break because they thought I was this black kid who was going through it. <laughs> you did know you, what I'm saying? Did you did you turn up? Were the, you uh, were you not? I was, but I do come from more privilege than the average black person. Yeah, they may have been making up the going through it that you were going through. Yes. Because black people don't have was don't have me- mental difficulties. <laughs> I put myself through it. I was doing things that made it harder for me to think and focus. Yeah, we were all kind of doing that. <laughs> yeah. We were Sorry. All the- Courtesy of the trap house. Yeah. But, is it uh, over there? It's over there. My, uh, both my father and my father-in-law, they like the existence of Trump. Saying that What Trump has done is he's brought these racists out into the open again, and they feel safer being able to see them. Hmm. When I first started at Cal State Long Beach, my dad gave me a warning that I could not understand. I started bringing white people over, and he was like, watch out kicking it with these white people all the time, because they might seem cool, but their parents might not be. You could be dealing with low-key racists and you never know what they're putting you up to, could be getting you into trouble, and you're going to always have to face more consequences than they do when the shit hits the fan, and you guys are kicking it with each other, and suddenly you guys are criminals. They're going to be fine, and you're going to be fucked. I remember that exact talk. I was 12. <laughs> he, t- he told me, you, you will be seen as an animal. That's a thing. So, right. like, Bro, deal with it. <laughs> like, so I didn't have any white friends until I got to college. I, I grew up in a community of uh, all brown people. Well, yeah, I grew up in Long Beach, which was extremely, extremely folks. diverse. Even even the white people were like, damn, there's a lot of other folks here. I grew right. up in Norco, <laughs> where it was all the yeehaw white people you could ask for. And goddamn, dude, I swear to you, there is a Confederate side to this city. Like, dude, oh, not surprising yeah, it's called Norco. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Now listen, Sorry. there is a nice part. It's like, you know, it's a, it's called Corona. On one side, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's one side of the 15 freeway that's kind of like, you know, this is a little bit nicer, a little bit, you know, less, less aggressive. And then there's like the other side where it's a lot more horse trails and a lot more, <laughs> a lot more uh, Confederate flags. You see? A lot more places to dump a body. Oh, dude, crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, I, like Connecticut. The more wooded it is, the more danger you might be in. You're doing a great job of making me never want to visit. <laughs> no, I I will speak up for Norco. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I will 
I will be honest. I've had fun the few times I've been out there to kick it, man. Yeah, we, we did anything in the city. We yeah. did go to that one bar that one time, though. We did. Which one? Yeah. And that one was like right by like all the shit. The one where we drank your special blend of scotch oh. in the car before. Yeah, it was called the Horse Whisperer or the Saddle Up fucking spot or some shit it, yeah, it really was named something like that yeah we kind of went in there and then i was like yeah nah, i probably should <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean and I, I remember that one time you brought a friend down from uh riverside county and uh we went to the gay bars on broadway here in long oh, Beach. <laughs> oh that sounds was super like fun. what the fuck is up with all these gay flags he's like uh, and we had to be like, yo, shut the fuck up, bro. Yeah, these, these gay dudes, guys will whoop your ass they here, cuz. No, no, no. We black, we scared of these gays. <laughs> these aren't the fairies you were told about. <laughs> yeah, these yeah. are motherfucking men. Yeah. These are gay men. They're men they love cock and they'll whip and, your ass. And yeah. Take it to you, bro. He's called a grizzled bear. Yeah, I had to learn the, that the during an ass bears. <laughs> Don't fuck with the bears, bro. They're bigger. They're remember mean. when we remember Just. when we brought the uh, the Russian uh, to the gay bars on Broadway, and we absolutely terrified her. It was the first instance of homophobia where I saw like the other definition applied, like you know. A, a fear afraid. of gay people. Yeah, it wasn't a hatred. It was a fear. She said, oh, my God, they kiss. And <laughs> I will never forget that phrasing. <laughs> like, she was legit like, oh, fuck. What is going? Oh, my God. Isn't that shit like I, a... I don't remember this. You said the Russians? Um, yeah, it was Camila and... Oh, the, the Belarusian. The, the redheaded. Yeah, the Belarusian and the Russian. Camila was I, a Russian. The Belarusian was a lot chiller. I remember. I mean... <laughs> I remember Volha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, Volha. We just changed the names, bro. And you're you're over okay. here giving the she, she knows she's scared of gays. <laughs> oh. I guess, yeah. I mean, it, as far as like a talk about race, I never really <laughs> had one. You know? See, that's great. Like, that's a privilege. Like, you, because literally, as a black person, like, you have to get, they literally yeah. did an episode of it on Blackish called The Talk. Because we have a, the talk, the sex talk, but you get that in school, whatever, you'll get it whenever. But you have to have the talk about how you're viewed in society and what that, mm -hmm. what those implications are and how that means you have to behave. They all tell you how to deal with the police officers, all of that. We've all, there isn't a black person who hasn't had it. Um, yeah. Or they'd end up jogging in an Atlanta suburb. Yeah, that right. was fucked up. Did you see the, the whole video? Like I seen, I seen. Snippets. No, I wouldn't watch the video. I'm, I'm done watch watching the videos. videos when they happen. Well, yeah. Man. No, we live the fears. It's fine. I internalize them. I so just can't. Do you it guys should watch the videos. Yeah, those videos like, are for y'all now. I, no, I watched it, bro, and like I, I saw one that was like, uh, it cut off at a certain point in it, like it, before the fatality. <laughs> you know, like before you saw him actually die, and you're like, how quaint? Huh? I said I, how quaint. Sorry. Yeah. But there were plenty of gunshots, and you're like, all right, like, did they even kill him? Like, it doesn't even show it. And then you see the full version, like, oh, oh, they, yeah. they just... Well, that's like, that's like Vietnam War videos or civil rights, like, protest videos back in, the, like, back in the 60s. Like, that is very important for the other side to see, to be like, damn, it's really like that? Like, that's crazy. For us, it really is traumatic. So there's no reason for us to watch it. But, like, again, I'm glad 
I'm not glad they exist. That that makes that makes it that that takes the wrong the wrong note. But that they exist, but it's important for white people to watch them. <laughs> really, like yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. It's important to see, like, yeah, he was jog, like he was jogging, and it. I I guess he would like the argument was that they thought he was involved with burglaries. They, he was involved with burglaries mm-hmm. in the area. Um, if if you catch someone stealing your shit, I think you should be able to shoot at him. That's fine. That I mean, I don't know if you guys agree. I think if someone's robbing, if you catch someone steal, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. But he had, uh, I guess, nothing on him. <laughs> no weapons. Yeah, he didn't have. He... Killing someone under the su- suspicion of vague criminality is probably is probably a bad place to start. I feel like it just. Yeah, uh, a, su- a suspected burglar. Uh, yeah, that's that's in, in no way gives you rights to kill anybody. You know. And here yeah, we are. I remember walking about a larger issue of police uh, killing yeah. suspects. Suspects. And not necessarily get, catching someone in the act. There have been a lot of examples of people coming up into someone's home. They're, they're, they even got the wrong damn apartment. Dude. They got some little girl, man. I, yeah. I read a story about Yeah, when you kill someone in their sleep, what is your argument? I mean, dude. Yeah, there are the a question I continue placing whenever this conversation comes up is why is lethal force the go-to choice? for apprehending suspects there are so many ways to catch somebody that you think has done something wrong well in the military they train you for all those things and the executive branch here like domestically or that's not how it works literally we we train angry dummies for tranquilizers (laughs) we have pepper spray we have tasers we've got bean bags there are so many ways to incapacitate someone so that you could question them later. Um, you know what I mean? And the conclusion that uh, my wife and I came to, man, she said it's because they know that they're fucking up and they need these motherfuckers to not survive the incident so that there's one mm. less witness to them fucking up. I mean, imagine someone storming into the wrong apartment, them beanbagging this little girl. Eesh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In front of her grandma. And it's like, what the fuck did you, what was that about? Let's so, ask this little girl what she was doing well, when you beanbagged her. What, what was the background yeah. to this whole incident? Do you know? Uh, they were looking for some suspect that lived in the same apartment building and they came up in the wrong one. <sighs> oh, shit. Yeah. And they came in guns blazing and hit this little girl in her sleep, man. In front of her grandma, they had the grandma talking. I mean, I can't even watch the videos of the survivors of these incidents anymore. Yeah, that that kind of yeah. after seeing this grandma crying over her fucking yeah, crying over was, her grandchild to be having been shot in bed, fucked up. And yeah, there should be more training and like get the right fucking number. It's not that hard. I mean, dude. And those seriously. are the same kind of stories under just some circumstances that you like that you feel that you cry about when you hear about during the holocaust like you know what i mean like literally I that's cry. the kind of shit you hear where yes. you're like <laughs> I think someone came into the home and grabbed the little kid and grabbed grandma and they were separated and, and grandma got grandpa got blasted trying to stop them man mm-hmm. i mean that's the holocaust right it's happening yeah if if instead of following orders you said yeah it was bad intel fuck man you know 
you know, when you get bad information and you call your friend kind of mad about something they didn't do, like that's not, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Well, I think and, the payouts like and the, the societal repercussions will be out of hand. <laughs> yo, be- no one's even talking about how these sorts of things happening almost exclusively in black communities affects the economics of these places. You got mm-hmm. people living with generation after generation of trauma. You got to think that this shit goes all the way back to the 60s where your grandparents or your parents experienced someone being killed or harmed by the police and they're living with this for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And now they're raising children and they're beating them. You know, the, the traumas get passed on forever. I mean, there's a theory that they call post-traumatic slave syndrome that says it goes all mm-hmm. the way back to when they was capturing us. Yep. Have you read that Black book? People don't know how to treat each other because we were never allowed to have our families. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, if you're if there's a system in place that is dehumanizing a population, especially yes. once really identifiable. I mean, yeah, it's not exclusive to the outside population. No, like not population as well. Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah, of course it goes down generations, and of course, like now, go go to a nine to five job and do better than other people, right? Yeah, and I did it, and don't flip. I have yeah. a great job. Yeah, and don't. How flip- come you can't do it? Well, sorry, my dad was incarcerated for selling a fucking gram of weed. Yeah. That's and now you've got a job selling fucking weed. Yeah, yeah, there's shops with mm-hmm. you know, white girls in bikinis. And now you're gonna pass that business on to your children. Where I could have had this business passed on to me. I could be in the weed business right now. Yeah. Imagine being able to say, Oh, I have inherited wealth because I had a trap house passed down to me. You know, a legal one. <laughs> a legal trap house. I mean, that's legit. What? That's no. Have you ever been to any of the weed shops? They're like never in good repair. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. I I was actually shocked at a, a yeah at the at the at the amount of sophistication they did not have. Yeah, it yeah. felt like going to a, a payday lender. Yeah, it's terrible. Electrical stuff. No, man. The the clinics here in Long Beach are. Oh, I'm sure they. I, I was talking about. I was talking about here in Colorado, like and, where, and a little bit further back, like out out in Riverside County, they have some stipulations to where you can't really open them within city limits, so you have to go to like the you know more Mexican parts of town. So, yeah, see, like yeah. MedMen is nice as shit. Med, but, I I built a MedMen, and you know what? It is nice as shit. They're yeah, nice. here, here in Denver proper, they have nice shops, like but right outside in LA, you have to have a nice shop or else you're not gonna. You know, you're not going to attract anything. But also, the prices at MedMen are, like, retarded. Like, you, you're you're, yeah, you're you, accounting for all of the accoutrement. Yeah. You said it was nice as shit. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you know what they build those for is really for, like, um, tourists coming from outside of mm-hmm. California. Oh, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So, that I mean, there's one right near LAX. There's one, you know, down not too far not too far off the freeway you know there's it's that's and 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 like you said like it could have been it could have been black owned (laughs) could have been black owned. they do have a program here in los angeles called the social equity program uh my father-in-law is a member uh he was incarcerated for selling a minuscule amount of weed okay um and it's messed up his entire life he's never been able to be employed since then this was in the early 90s damn 
Um, he's lived his whole life as a felon. Now the industry that he was involved in has gone 100% legit. And so he's got some sort of entitlement to be able to start a business. Um, we haven't talked about it for quite some time now. I was like, you know, I was going with him step by step and getting approved for the program. And since him getting approved, I haven't really heard anything since, but things were looking really bright. He had this idea that he could like sell his license to an ongoing business or someone who wanted to start the business more than him because the license itself is worth millions of dollars Okay, to be able to, because you're only, they're only allowing so many clinics to open here in Los Angeles and he's entitled to one of them. Hmm. Nice. And so he can sell the right to the clinic to somebody else. But what he wanted was to, you know, capitalize on the business itself. And, you know, it's worth way more if you run the business yourself than to sell the rights to the business. I'm going to, I'm going to check up with him on that, but yeah, Los Angeles was trying to do something about that. I mean, it's a good place to start, you know? <laughs> right. But I don't know. I think, I mean, I, as, as far as this quarantine has opened my eyes, LA seems kind of like a, like a, I don't know, what did you call it? Like a, like a husk. Like there's not really much here substantially. There really isn't, man. The, a lot of this city is funded by defense, oil, mm -hmm. entertainment. Yeah. Those are some of the biggest industries here. And, uh, you know, we just saw oil reach negative prices during the pandemic. Oh, dude, the gas has been just wonderful lately. I'm assuming ours is a dollar nineteen. <laughs> not as invested in war right now. Granted, I did hear that we like still bombed somebody during the quarantine. Hey, you gotta you know keep them on their toes. I mean, get in your Tet offensives, baby. Yeah, right. But I'm pretty sure that like no one's meeting up at the offices for like radon, uh, radeon radeon or like, whatever. Okay, Raytheon. Uh, Raytheon. There we go. It's Raytheon. Yeah. Radeon. <laughs> I, I do like it that way. The raids, the up. offices of Iridium. It's like, okay, so Radon, who's enriching this stuff? Iridium, right. Ugh. And, you know, movies and, and stuff aren't being made. Animation is cracking right now, but that can be done remotely. I mean, honestly, I, I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad this is happening. I'm not happy about the people dying. Don't get me wrong, like in like people suffering, but it's opening people's eyes is like, this is not how you're supposed to live you're not supposed to live stacked on top of each other you're not supposed to live uh in a place that stresses you out to go anywhere in right i mean if we spread out man there's still plenty of land here in america for every single person to have a home for their family with land mm -hmm. yeah the only problem is like some of that's in south dakota and that place sucks and <laughs> I mean, the problem is you got to deal with weather and people by and large are coming to California to avoid weather. Yep. Yeah. Weather sucks, guys. Yeah. Oh, the weather. <laughs> What's the weather like out, out in uh, Colorado? Uh, it's literally the perfect temperature. It's but so what? <laughs> it not. could change at any second is the thing. Right. Literally, we'll have a, a we'll, and this isn't even a joke. We'll have a thunderstorm in one hour. It was going to be lasting for three days a day ago. Now it's lasting for four hours uh, but because we have mountains. So it's like living in one of those uh, Saturn storms 
I think Jupiter is the one with the storm, but I get what you're All of the gas giants have storms that are out of this world. Yeah, but Jupiter's is the size of like Earth, right? Yeah, Yeah, Jupiter's storm is like three Earths or some shit. It's renowned. Jupiter's storm at the top is actually four Earth sized storms. I was just watching (laughs) some cosmology show today. Because we're in, you know, month two of quarantine. So. Isn't it a hexagon, too, for some reason? It is. It is a hexagon. I can tell you exactly why. But you don't want to know right now because it would it would bring this thing to a grinding halt. And it's a portal to hell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we all saw, was it, uh, was it Event Horizon? Is that the one? Yes. You know, the Sam Neill movie with the horror, the, the cosmic horror? Yes. Oh, I, I was like, cosmic horror? Yeah. Wait a minute. I kind of yeah. I like this idea. The Go ship on. Comes out of the black hole, and there's this like interdimensional being that came out with it. Yeah. And we're wondering what the hell happened on this ship, and it's they they caught something. <gasps> oh. They, they, like, you know what? They caught okay. COVID twenty uh, fifty three. <laughs> okay. When, when I love there. Sam Neill, by the way. Uh, big Sam Neill fan. I don't know if, and I feel like I've tried to make each of you watch this movie before. No one ever wants to watch this movie. Um. It's called uh, In the Mouth of Madness. I, I watched it and I liked it. I love I don't think I've that heard terrible movie. Oh, buddy, you got to watch it. It's a, a Stephen Kingian sort of a Lovecraftian author. Yeah, more Lovecraft than anything. But yeah, it's, he, uh, he goes to this town and starts to lose his, not lose his mind, but like, like the, cosmic, <laughs> the cosmic horrors come for him in this place. They do. They yeah. come out of the Stygian Mall. Yeah. And they come for him. Dude. Yeah. Very writerly term. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I I think we're about we're about at time. <laughs> you know, We've no. gotten to Stygian Mall, I guess. I guess we gotta call it. Yeah. Um Wow. Yeah, we, we've reached our time. Um any closing remarks, any closing thoughts, anything like that? We need to get closer to what other capitalist countries have, man. Some larger form of democratic socialism. There's only so much individuals can do for themselves. There's not enough jobs for everyone to have a good job. Some people is going to be working at the grocery store. Some people is going to be working at the McDonald's. And those people deserve a place to live, too. They deserve food. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They say, oh, well, those jobs were supposed to be for high school kids. Well, that's not the case anymore. You're talking about a hypothetical that has came and went. Mm-hmm. Most people working those minimum wage jobs are older people now. True story. High school kids are making their money selling their bodies on on the internet. Dude, fuck. OnlyFans? Ooh, my closing remark will Only be... OnlyFans. Next up, save sex work for me. Uh, not for me personally, as as a topic as oh a topic. oh you want to talk about sex work next yeah yeah sure that'll be a good topic for next time um uh my closing remarks uh man whoosh. that's a hard one i don't know save your money <laughs> save your money save what you can man yeah but saving is a privilege and really the great mouth of Lil dicky yeah <laughs> Look into yourself in this time where you can actually look at yourself and, and really ask, you know, the deep question, are you fulfilled with what you do and what you throw eight 
to 10 hours of your day into. So, yeah, with that, this has been Talking Through the Shit. I'm Pete. This has been Julian and Ryan. Go hook. Yeah, hook. Until next time, guard your brain. We'll see you guys later. Like-